All right, well, once again, welcome to Christ Central. Great to see everybody who's here in uh, Clark Street. And for everyone watching online, thanks for participating with us. My name is Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today from the book of Acts. And if you were with us two weeks ago, I asked you a very easy question, and that is, what's the most common thing said as you start out on a trip that we all say as we start that journey? And everyone said in unison, are we there yet? So that was an easy one, and you can find that on ChristCentral.ca if you want to go back two weeks ago and listen to that one. Today's question is a bit tougher, and it's not tougher in the sense of, you know, mind. Um, it might be an emotional one that's a bit harder for us um, to answer. And I have a question for us, and it's this. Have you ever been overlooked and not chosen for something? So you can think about that. Have you ever, maybe seemingly, overlooked and not chosen for something? So I'll give some examples that uh, I've been through, and maybe you can relate. And uh, one example is applying for a job. And so you've worked hard on your resume, you thought you had a good interview, you're down to maybe the final two, and you didn't get the job. Or maybe you applied for a scholarship or an award, and you thought you might win, and you're not chosen. Or maybe you've been going for student council president or captain of a sports team. Or maybe you're going for the lead in a musical or a dance. And you weren't chosen. So the question is, how did that experience make you feel? Any feedback? I know it's a bit harder for me to hear, so you might have to help me out. But any of you experiencing anything like that? How did that make you feel after that experience. Defeat it. Good word to describe a lot of things. Defeat it. Anyone else? What was it? Yeah, you just feel bad. That's exactly it. You feel defeated. You feel bad. I'll add some other ones from the first meeting. People said felt unworthy. Some people said I felt like garbage, frustrated, angry, and one person, after the meeting, said to me out in the parking lot, sometimes they felt relieved when they didn't get. <laughs> so that's a whole other view on things. <laughs> but yeah, we feel angry, we can feel frustrated, we can feel bad, we can feel bad about ourselves. So the question is, how did we deal with that experience? Or so for some of us, that those experiences have happened more than once. And I've just entitled today what we're going to take a look at, we can get bitter or we can get better. And I have to give Lecrae uh, the uh, shout out for, I'm taking one of his lines from one of his songs where he talks about you can get bitter or better. And he says, I'm working at switching those letters. So that's where this came from, uh, great rapper Lecrae. All right, well, there's a character in today's Bible reading that could probably relate to the topic that we're talking about and how we feel about not being chosen. Okay, before we read that passage, just can anyone remember who replaced Judas as one of the 12 apostles? Before we look at, can anyone remember which guy was picked to replace Judas? It's not a trick question. It's actually in the Bible. Anyone remember? Starts with an M. Matthias, Darren, I wish I had a prize for you. I'll have to think of something. All right, 
but this one's really going to test you, okay? Can anyone remember, because it got down to two guys to replace Judas. Can anyone remember the other guy's name? Okay, I'm going to move right along before you feel too bad about your cells. Well, we're going to find out the answer, so let's read the answer, okay? So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 1, and we're going to pick things up from verse 12, and the context is Jesus has just left the disciples, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, and this is where we pick things up in verse 12, and don't jump ahead to find the answer. You've got to read with me, okay? Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. You can thank me, I'm not going to just focus on that one part. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, al that is, field of blood. Whew. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So here's the answer. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. So don't you feel sorry for Joseph Barsabbas, a.k.a. Justice? What did he do wrong? Whatever, and whatever happened to him? So here's the background. You've got to remember, Jesus originally told, chose twelve apostles, to be with them, representing the 12 tribes of Israel from the Old Testament, and we can look at that more in depth in Matthew chapter 10. And these 12 were with them, and for three years they lived with him, they worked with him, they were trained by Jesus. And now we understand that one of the 12, Judas, betrayed Jesus and ended up dead in a dramatic and most gruesome way. And Peter explains that both Judas's death and his replacement are fulfillment of Scripture, which is just remarkable. And he quotes from Psalm 69 and Psalm 109, two psalms written from David in the Old Testament hundreds of years earlier. And the selection of Matthias carried out under the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, even though he's returned, is still involved in his church. And this completed the nucleus for the 12 to continue. Now you've got to imagine for a moment that you are Joseph Barsabbas. And we read about the selection process. And we just read that the selection and one of the qualifications was the person had to be around the whole time, right from 
Jesus being baptized right through to his being a witness of his resurrection. So this morning, you got to put yourself in Joseph Barsabbas' sandals. I was going to say shoes, but I think we got to say you got to put yourself in his sandals. So you got to, so just imagine, again, keep with me. He was around from the beginning, which means he saw Jesus baptized three years earlier. He was a follower of Jesus from the beginning, which means what? It means he wasn't chosen as one of the 12. Ouch. So already, some of the Jesus followers had to work through that. Why did Jesus, who are these 12 guys? What makes matters worse, who was picked as one of the 12? Judas. So we're not quite sure what Judas was like three years earlier, but maybe Joseph Barsabbas going like, not only did I not get picked, dude, Judas got picked. But he kept going. And he, three more years of following Jesus, sacrificing, obeying, and now he has another chance. There's a vacancy, and he's been shortlisted because it's down to two people. And here's the decision-making process. It's a good one. Common sense. Whoever it was had to be around for the whole time, have seen the resurrected Jesus. It says they prayed. It says they were constantly in prayer. Jesus was involved. Lord, you know everyone's heart. So issues of the heart are important. It's not just qualifications. Our heart matters, and Jesus knows our hearts. He's involved. And then it says they cast lots, which was an Old Testament method to discern God's will, kind of like rolling the dice, and there's all kinds of examples in the Old Testament if you want to look into that. And the lot fell to Matthias, and we just note that this is the last time this uh, is used in the New Testament because the Holy Spirit is coming. So if you put yourself in this guy's sandals, how would you feel? And I tried to like think that through this week preparing for this message. And I realized you can either get bitter or better. But here's the bitter part. If I were Joseph Barsabbath, this is what I'd be thinking. Maybe this is just me, but maybe you can relate. I'd be thinking, first of all, why not me? You gotta, it's only natural to ask that question, isn't it? Why not me? Is there something wrong with me? So maybe, you know, the Bible doesn't say he didn't have a good heart. He got down to the final two, but you'd be maybe a bit introspective to say, is there something, God, what, what, what is it? What disqualified me? Now, if I'm really honest, these are what would go through my head. And you just got to think, okay, if real life, this guy and me, what would I be thinking? Maybe you'd think this. Matthias sucks. Maybe you're just like, dude, I am so much more qualified and better than Matthias. Why would he ever get picked? I have a bad habit when I get frustrated of saying the word stupid and then whatever is frustrating me. So in this case, I would be like, stupid dice. That's what I would be. And I would be like, let's do best two out of three. Let's bet three out of five, four out of seven. And I would be tempted to think that Peter's an idiot. And like, Peter, who are you to be even saying this is what needs to happen? Those are some reactions we could have if we're on the bitter end. Or we can say, God, how can you use this to make me better? And we can embrace God. We can trust God. We can know that our identity is secure in God. We can know that God knows my heart. God calls. God appoints. God is in control. God is good. And we can make the decision. I'm going to keep trusting Jesus, loving, serving, obeying, delighting in God.
And today, you might be saying, Joe, why does this even matter? This really matters because I can almost guarantee for any of us, right, from kids, middle school, high school, all the way through, we are all going to have to deal with issues of rejection and people being picked over us in church life and whatever we're at in society, and we have some choices to make about how we're going to deal when those things happen. So today is really important. We're going to see as we go through the book of Acts for the next few weeks and months that we're going to see some ordinary people who God in his sovereignty calls, who become apostles and preachers and miracle workers, and in some ways, certainly within Christianity and even beyond, they become famous. So most people have heard of Peter or Paul. But there's a large number of ordinary people who serve the church and their neighbors and their neighborhoods and their networks and the nations that are in the background without any fanfare, without any limelight. And I'm going to give you a few examples. Dorcas. Can anyone remember what Dorcas did in the book of Acts? Thank you, Debbie. Well done. Darren, Debbie, we're on a roll here. All right. She sewed clothing for the poor. Mary opened up her home for an all-night prayer meeting. Can anyone remember what Simon the Tanner did that was so special? He opened up his home for Peter to stay with him. He provided hospitality. Businesswoman Lydia offered her home, and it became the base for Paul's church plant in Philippi. The tent makers Priscilla and Aquila discipled Apollos, and Apollos was the one who went on to become a key leader in the church. We're going to see that Jesus, the risen Christ, and Mark so powerfully preached that last week, and I encourage you, if you missed it, I listened to it, I missed it, I was away last week for Thanksgiving, I listened to it twice this week on ChristCentral.ca, it was so powerful. Jesus, the risen Christ, head of his church, leader, commander, king of kings, lord of lords, Jesus is involved in his church today, and as we begin to see a pattern develop in the book of Acts that Jesus does this. Jesus calls. Jesus chooses. Jesus appoints. Jesus anoints. Jesus is involved in deciding our roles and functions. And the Holy Spirit, as we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts to believers by his will. The Holy Spirit decides what spiritual gifts we're going to receive. God's choosing of people for particular roles and tasks It's not always plain and straightforward. (laughs) But God knows every heart, and he decides who is to be a hand, in a foot, in an eye, in an ear, in the body of Christ. But here's the key thing. We're all needed. And we see this today both in church life and in our roles in society. The church, the Bible says, is one body, many parts, but every part is important. Apostles, deacons, servants, teachers, prophets, small group leaders, tent makers, givers, mentors, hospitality, evangelists, food providers, elders, organizers, musicians, pastors, men, women, young, old, rich, poor. Jesus calls and chooses and appoints and decides and grows, and he does these things in his timing. Jesus places us in the roles and positions and tasks we're in in society for us to be his light everywhere that we live for his glory and for the good of the city now hopefully we're all like yes and amen however many times in life this is what 
I found about myself, and this is what I find in pastoral care, a lot of times we don't like ourselves. And not only sometimes do we not like ourselves, we don't like the roles or the fits that God has put us in. And then there's a whole bunch of things that get added to it. The reality is sometimes our own fears, our own hurts, our own insecurities can move us towards bitterness and the negative consequences of taking on rejection. Add it to that, our Western culture places such a high value on our identity and our importance, significance, and happiness, really on a celebrity culture, is that you must be famous, you must be the most talented, you must be the best looking, you must be followed by the most on Instagram. All that is held in order to be happy and important. That's what you have to be. And unfortunately, even in church life, even in church culture, we can take on the worldly culture that we can battle inside for positions. We can battle for things like, I want to be a worship leader. I want to be the most best preacher. I want to be the best writer, blogger, and the list goes on. And that can even come into church life. And folks, we have a real enemy, Satan. And the Bible says this, that Satan tempts, and Satan lies, and Satan distorts. And one of his main jobs, it says that Satan accuses. And what does Satan accuse? And he tries to get us on two extremes that are both not good. On one extreme, Satan wants us to be prideful. And so he whispers, you're doing so well because it's all up to you. And our pride can grow and grow and grow. And we don't give any credit or glory to God. Or we go over this extreme. And Satan works in pride. And Satan works in shame. I feel so disqualified, so bad, so unimportant. God could never use me. We just sit out. And we can go from pride, it's all about me, to shame, God could never do anything with me. And we sit out. And I'm going to just mention some things that are common that maybe you've experienced, maybe you've heard these whispers in your head when it comes to different things. You aren't chosen because they don't like you. So you just think about that one for a minute, okay? Sometimes we can feel rejected and it's like, well, we have this voice in our head. They didn't choose you because they don't like you. Or maybe this one. You were rejected because you are too stupid, ugly, fill in the blank. <laughs> and there's a lot of blanks to be filled in. <laughs> maybe you've heard this in your, you deserve that role, you are better than that person and you go down this whole line of getting bitter about why I didn't get that role. God must really not like you or else you would have had that role. And the list goes on and on and on. And we end up, I love, was it Margaret? I think you said the very first word, defeated. We just feel... <sighs> so, briefly, I just want to give you some tools how do we react when we feel overlooked, forgotten, snubbed, rejected? How do we deal when others get picked and maybe elevated or appear to succeed over me? Do we get bitter or do we get better? So let me just give you a couple tools to help. And folks, this is the real life stuff, okay? 
We've got to be able to apply these things when these things happen, because they will happen. First one is this. We can be honest with God. We talked about that a lot, but folks, we can be honest with God. Let me just read Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8. Psalm 62 is one of my favorite psalms. It's one of my go-to psalms in the Old Testament. And we read this, and then I'll give you some practical things. The writer of the psalm says this. Yes, it's declaring, My soul find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I love that. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Folks, we got to be honest with God. But here's what we got to do, because we react in a couple of different ways. One way we react sometimes is we just bury it all inside. So we take hurt and rejection and all those things and we just bury them all and we don't talk about them and we just try to shove them. Folks, you know what? They don't just magically disappear. (laughs) And you're going to blow up somewhere. It might be weeks, months, years, decades, but somewhere all that hurt and stuff, if you don't process it, you're going to blow up. Or this is what we do, we react, and we don't shove, we shout. And so we tweet, and we email, and we social media this, and we shout to the rooftops. And what we haven't done is we actually haven't gone to God. And folks, we have to learn that we can be honest before God, that we can pour out our hearts before God. Folks, that we can grieve before God. And say, Joe, what does that look like? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you another verse. We can be honest before God. We can pour out our hearts. We can grieve, and we can let God help us move on. The second one is this. This is Ephesians 4.31. And Paul writes this, and it's a command. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And you can say, Joe, okay, I know I'm commanded to do that, but you don't understand. I feel so angry. I'm so frustrated. (laughs) Here's what we have to do. In the midst of chaos, of our emotions, and all of that, folks, this is what you do. You just start to call on the name of Jesus. Because we're in a spiritual battle. These are spiritual things. They're powerful. And sometimes, I get it, you're in the midst of chaos, and all the frustration, anger, everything, you're about to explode. How do I get rid of all these things? This is where you start. You start to call on the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus starts to break things. So if you can just bear with me, I'm going to act out how I do it. You have to just make a decision to start 
calling on the name of Jesus. Because to be brutally honest, and the Bible says this, my mouth wants to curse. My mouth wants to defend and vindicate and go into lawyer mode. And I want to swear and I want to be angry. And in my anger, I'm tempted to sin. And this is what I have to do. And I, everything in my flesh doesn't want to do it. But this is what I got to start to do. I just say, and it starts usually with a whisper, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, I call upon your name. Jesus, I don't even want to call upon your name right now, but I'm going to start. I'm just going to make the decision. Jesus, I call upon your great name. Jesus, help me. Jesus, come and hear, hear, hear me. Jesus, Jesus, I call upon your great name. Come and help me. Jesus, replace cursing with praising. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you know how hurt I am. Jesus, you know how terrible I feel right now, but I'm going to call upon your name. Jesus, your word says that you're close to the brokenhearted. Jesus, your word says that you're one who's familiar with suffering. Jesus, your word says that you experience all the things that I experience. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. All those things, Jesus, you went through. So I call upon you, Jesus. Come and help me now, Jesus. I call upon your name, Jesus. And I begin to pour out my heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, this really hurts. Jesus, this hurts. This is terrible. Jesus, why did this happen? Why? And I begin to pour out my heart to Jesus. You don't bury it. You don't wrongly shout it out to the world. You start with Jesus. And you call upon the name of Jesus. And folks, that's how you practically start to get rid of all bitterness and anger and rage and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Because malice is, I want revenge. And we replace it with verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We have to confess and repent and say, Jesus, my anger and my sin and my rejection issues are wrong. And we need to confess and we need to begin to replace. And we need to begin to worship and sing some of the songs we were singing this morning. And we need to take Ephesians chapter 2 that Ben just read out and say, God, before you, I'm guilty. I've sinned against you. All the things I feel towards other people, you could feel towards me and you'd be justified. <laughs> Yet in your great mercy, out of your great love, you forgave me in Jesus Christ. And as we experience his forgiveness, we're able to begin to forgive others. And we can begin to put our trust again in our identity, in our calling, not in our performance, not in comparing ourselves to other people, but what Jesus says about us and what he's done for us on the cross and through his death and resurrection and ascension. Let's go back to Joseph Barsabbas just to finish up in our story. There's no suggestion that his heart wasn't right or unsuited. He made it to the final two. Bitter or better. But you know what, folks? We pick up an interesting thing in chapter 15 of Acts. That at the Council of Jerusalem, where they made some big decisions together, this is what we read. 
years later, quote, Acts 15, beginning at verse 22, that it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers. Now, when you read the commentaries, many scholars believe that this Barsabbas is the same Barsabbas from chapter 1. Now, we're not 100% sure, but wouldn't it be powerful to think, if it was, that he wasn't all these years later crippled and paralyzed by bitterness and rejection, but he was a leading Christian among the brothers who could be trusted and sent. Wow, what a powerful story. N.T. Wright in his commentary says this, Part of the Christian obedience right from the beginning was the call to play, apparently, great parts without pride and apparently small parts without shame. Actually, there are no great or small parts. Different tasks and roles to which God assigns us are his choice and not ours. In life, in church life, at work, in sports, in school, we might at times not be chosen or picked or selected, and we will have the choice honestly, folks, to get bitter or to get better. And we don't want to end up with this warning coming true in Hebrews 12, 15 about bitterness. The writer of Hebrews says this, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And folks, that's what bitterness does. It causes trouble and it slimes, it messes with other people. So here's our homework. This week, can we just take like even 15 minutes? Like just carve out some time this week. Start with 15 minutes. Can we just be still and quiet before God? And can we just pray that prayer that Peter just said, Lord, you know all hearts. Lord, come and search my heart. God, come and know me. And as you do that, why don't you just be honest with God and just pour out your heart to God on whatever it might be be. It might be other things than what I'm talking about this morning. But can you be honest with God? Can you pour out your frustrations, your anger, your hurts, your rejections, your feeling defeated, feeling bad? Just pour all that out to God. He's able to handle it. Can we begin to call on the name of Jesus? Can we begin to confess the name of Jesus? And as we do that, we confess our sins and say, God, before you, it was, it's wrong to hold harbor unforgiveness. Lord, it's wrong to curse other people. It's wrong to have these attitudes. And Lord, I confess them and I renounce and I turn from them and I ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, I want to replace cursing with blessing. I want to replace cursing with praise and thanksgiving. I want to just confess that Jesus, you're my identity. You're my hope. I find everything in you. I don't have to look for other people's opinions or all the things that the world looks to. I find my hope and my trust that you're my refuge. You're my salvation. My hope and my honor depend on God. And we get ourselves worked out of bitterness to becoming better. That we're maturing and growing. That we're reflecting more like Jesus to those around us. In closing, this story should encourage us that if we ever feel and face being overwhelmed or overlooked or devalued like Joseph Barsabbas, we can't despise the sovereign choice of God that sometimes he's going to pick other people, and that's okay. We can bless them and get behind them. Don't let the wounds of yesterday spoil for us for today and tomorrow. We can guard our hearts and play our role 
we too can be an ordinary person empowered by an extraordinary God. And next week we're going to pick up the Holy Spirit coming, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this week, let's wait on God. Let's be honest with God. Let's grieve with God. Let's get rid of these things. Let's embrace who God is and who he says we are and what he has for us. To the glory of God, for the good of our city, let it be so, Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to close and with a song that really is just on the tail end of what I was saying about, we just want to speak out blessing. That we, we want to speak blessing over ourselves. We want to speak blessing over our church family. We want to speak blessing those around us. So if you're able, why don't you stand? I just want to pray. And then we'll sing this song together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for every person here today, here at Clark Street right now. I thank you for every person Father, I thank you for every person hearing this message online right now or later on in the week. Lord, I thank you that you know our hearts. Lord, I thank you that you've provided Jesus as our means and the way for us to not get bitter, but to grow and get better. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would help us to apply your word this week. I pray that you would stir us. I pray that you would help us. Sometimes in the midst of chaos, Holy Spirit, would you help us just to begin whispering the name of Jesus, that we would begin to call on the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, that we would sense your presence with us, that you would turn us from cursing to blessing. God, I help, Lord, help us, Lord, to grow where you've placed us, Lord. Lord, we ask for your help in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.